Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is an outtake episode. I actually was interviewed by Danny Black and John Newman, the card menches. They are doing an interview show, asked me if I would talk about what was going on behind the scenes when I sold the company. And I said, I, I'd love to do that. And I will release it on my channel on the 18th anniversary, which is straddling that. So there's two parts. Today is the first part. Thanks, Danny and John. Thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the first part of it, and the rest of it will be later. When did the thought of selling the company you built first enter the equation for you? How long behind the scenes did the process actually take? A couple of key dates. One, the Parsippany National in 84, we probably decided to go forward. I talked to a lot of people and printed up some forms at a printing place near the show, passed them out. So that was really the launch there. The next date, when I started thinking about selling the company, was October 6th, 1996, when I was in the hospital with a heart attack. <laughs> All yeah. bets are off, guys. Up to that point, I'm sure I thought I was bulletproof and I was going to live happily ever after. But life is more complicated than that. I'm in the hospital for about a week, recuperating, very blessed to be alive, thinking, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And eight and a half years later, the company was put up for sale about a year before it sold. We engaged an investment banker that handled a lot of publishing things. I had known the guy, so good reputation out of New York City, a sharp guy that had a lot of contacts. And so the process took a while. I was really pleased the leadership of my company kept it under wraps. Because, as you guys know, for people in the industry, there would have been a buzz for a year that we were for sale or that I was going to entertain offers even. It would have been a lot of confusion. It was on a need-to-know basis for the key people in the company. And it, they were awesome. Was there a precipitous in 04 that you said this is finally the right time? No, I worked backwards, Danny. As soon as I thought I'm not going to go to my grave owning this company, not figuratively or literally. Eventually, it's going to be a time for somebody to take me out and give me my life back. It's really pretty much a slave to my work for many of those years. So as soon as I came up with the thought that I am eventually going to sell it, because I'd never thought I would ever sell it, then the question was when? And then I think, why don't I wait till I'm 80 years old? I thought, well, gee, I'll do a lot of traveling. And that doesn't work either. So well, how about 75? Yeah, I've seen some guys traveling in the 75, but there's no sure things there either. How about 70? So I started backing up <laughs> and until finally in 2004, I said, how about now? As soon as you make an emotional break that you're eventually going to sell it, I felt like I was probably not doing a very good job as a CEO because I wasn't excited about the future. I was thinking about what the future would be with me not being there. And the company and my teammates deserve somebody full speed ahead, rainmaking for our company and for the industry. And I didn't have that same drive for that. It's time to find somebody else. And that was going to free up some of the people in the company to be the best they could be too. Because if I wasn't there, they really rose to the occasion. I wouldn't have been a good absentee boss. I couldn't say, hey, I'm going to bring in to run the company and I'm going to go to vacation for six months a year. That's not my style. I've either got to be all in or not. And when I decided I wasn't going to be all in forever, it was just a matter of time. 
I suppose if we did a failed process that no bidders came up that wanted to pay a good price, I wasn't going to sell it cheaply. I got a decent price, but it would have been more if I'd have sold earlier. Maybe it would have been less if I'd have sold five years later. So I don't lose any sleep over it. It was a pleasant transaction with guys that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the successor CEO. He was a friend of a friend at first and then became a good friend of mine. So it worked out well, guys. Did you find it hard to run the company in 2004 at the same time you're going through the sale? Did it put pressure financially on the books differently? Did it affect you differently in your focus? When you're a CEO, it means you're the chief executive officer. And frequently in a larger company, there can be other presidents underneath the CEO or other operating managing partners. In my peak, I was very hands-on. And toward the end there, I wasn't. But I was there. I had some presidents in my company that were in charge of certain things. They were really sharp. And I think I was just a long shadow. So for me to step out and say, you know what? You're going to be working for the new entity. And it took the brakes off. I was a driver, but I was also the brakes on some of these crazy ideas. I was the one that selected which crazy idea we're going to do and which crazy idea we weren't going to do. But some of the people, they thought no ideas were crazy. And some of them were. I needed to step aside, guys. So in 96, a heart attack that definitely shook you. Obviously, a serious thing. It almost cost your life. So you worked eight more years after the heart attack. What kind of changes did you make personally to be healthier, that balance between work and life? Let's see. I took the fun out of my job after my heart attack. And this was in the works, but I no longer did pricing. So I was never handling the cards. I did almost no show travel after that because I wasn't doing the monthly magazines and even the annual books. That was all delegated to other people who stepped up. But that was the fun that I really enjoyed, and it kept me close to the action. So I felt like I was an executive. I don't like being an executive. I don't mind being a team leader, but I don't really want to be isolated. I felt like I was getting increasingly isolated. I wasn't as tuned into the industry. I'm more tuned in now than I was in 2004, I think. That's bad. That's why, and you guys have said this, any CEO of a hobby entity that's not really tuned into the hobby and doesn't really have a passion and understand collecting, that's a problem waiting to happen unless they get up to speed pretty quick or have very trusted lieutenants that really help them. Did you feel you needed to recharge your hobby batteries? Was there almost a stepping away? If I'd had my druthers... I would have delegated the executive stuff and kept the pricing. But it just didn't make sense. Nobody would say, hey, that's the right thing to do. Because the pricing, those were the all-nighters. Those were the long hours when you're under deadline pressure. So I made the right decision, and I don't lose sleep over selling when I did or if I did. It was the right thing. Was there any tug of war in your own mind? Am I really doing this? Or were there people in the company that were maybe, hey, Dr. Jim, you sure you want to do this? Two things. One, my leadership team had been there for a long time. So almost all of them had been there since before my heart attack. One of the presidents was my little sister, okay? And the others were very close friends who really knew me and cared for me. So they weren't trying to talk me out of it. However, fast forward a few years, and I've had several people say, we want you back. Why don't you buy the company back? And I said, guys, I'd like to help the new owners, but it's deja vu. I've been there, done that. 
and I don't want to do it again because the new owners, I think you could get it cheaper. You could make money on it when it was at a low point and now it's back up. I had my day in the sun and now I can experience the hobby with more flexibility. I can hobby the way I want to hobby instead of the way I have to do it. Were you in person for the actual closing of the sale? Actually, no. We were up in a high floor of a big law firm. One of my close friends is an outstanding attorney that does deals way bigger than ours. But he really walked me through it, predicted everything that would happen. I had a little hiccup at the end, but nothing that we couldn't push through. And so it was relatively uneventful. So it was supposed to close on the 25th, and I think it closed on the 26th, which is not bad. Do you remember that day? Yeah. Do anything crazy. Were you waiting for a call? Was there a moment where you got the call, it's done? or It's the call that the money has landed. Yes. Uh, but even then, it was complicated. I had a bonus structure. When the money came in, my last act was going to be given bonuses out of the price to every employee, not just the key employee. Key employees got a lot more, but I still had plenty. I'm you know, very blessed financially. I worked hard, but I've really been blessed. Any trepidation, like where is this new company going to take my old company after I sell? Any stipulations, stuff you wanted to make sure happened? I had some great ideas, things like that, John. And my attorney, who has known me for a really long time, since college, basically, who's outstanding, really top-notch, he said, you're just going to muck it up. So you can't add all these conditions. We've narrowed it down to this. They really want it. They have a publishing background, which turned out not to be an advantage because they were from New York and they thought, we'll just do it the New York way. And they really didn't do very well because publishing was changing. And they were too old school. And the other thing, my friends, other guys who were running companies that had sold companies for, they said, you may be able to control who you sell it to, but you can't control who they sell it to. And sure enough, after four years, the first group sold it to the second group, which was completely different and very much digital publishing oriented and database oriented. They immediately offshored everything they could and drove down the costs and moved as much as possible toward digital and away from print. That increased the profitability, but it wound up eliminating a lot of employees that were my friends. But again, that wasn't the people I sold to. The prize media, yes. and they were a publishing company. I found fascinating. You were basically selling a publishing company. Was that the idea of the transaction? How much was the online or the grading even considered in the sale because a publishing company bought you? I think they didn't understand it, but they could see that it was producing earnings. It was profitable. We had interest from eBay and Yahoo and Amazon to buy not our company, but to buy the digital aspects. They did not want the print, but they wanted anything virtual. And I wasn't willing to consider it. I thought that would be really tricky to split the company in half and all that. So I didn't do that. In fact, they may have paid more for that aspect than for the whole company. I'd already been through that exercise. And then when the prize came up, they offered more than the other guys did. And they had the publishing background, but I think they stuck too close to the doing publishing the way people do it in New York, which they thought, what do these guys in Dallas know? New York is the capital of publishing and we'll bring our expertise to it and we'll improve whatever. They increase costs. 
and they didn't understand the hobby, the local card shops. Those were our most profitable accounts. Wasn't their business model to buy publications in different niche markets, so they weren't an expert in any one specifically? They actually kind of built on our reputation to add other, what they called enthusiast publications, where people were passionate. What they didn't realize is they were on the right track, except it didn't need to be enthusiast publications. It needed to be enthusiast communities that can be digital, virtual, or trade shows or getting together in person, whatever, but it's the people. Somebody said that the hobby is the people and the business is the people. I think they thought the business was the pages, was the magazines. Our peak years were the junk wax era and before the baseball strike. The early 90s were our best years. You mentioned the a prize wound up selling themselves to a, another company in 2000. You mentioned people did come to you and said, hey, you should buy them, Dr. Jim, and get back. I did not consider, and I shot it down pretty quick. I wouldn't be upsetting the employees, but I didn't want to give them a false hope. I didn't want to get in a bidding war. I didn't want to buy it for cheap. I didn't want to buy it for expensive. I just thought, I've moved on. And like I said, I'm happy to be a pro bono consultant. That's really what I enjoy doing. My skin in the game is that this company has my name on it and I want them to do well, but I'm not willing to burn midnight oil anymore. I just have a high responsibility quotient. And if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I don't need to be saying I'm going to do it. At what point did you realize your name was going to be a part of the deal? And was that hard to accept? I think I understood it, but that was one of the things that John mentioned is that I should have gotten some kind of a, I don't know, but additional price or considerations. One of the biggest things they wanted was the name. And so I'm not allowed to use my name unmodified. I can be my personal name. That's why I can't be Beckett Sports Card Insights because that would be an infringement because then it'd be unclear whether it came from the company or came from me. That's why I'm Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. So I only have certain ways that I can use my own name. I could have renegotiated that to say, look, if you're going to use my name, I'm going to want a royalty. And I floated that. And my attorney friend said, they're just going to freak out if you say that. I said, but it's true. And he said, they'll just change the name. I said, actually, they probably will not change the name. 